Today we're talking about flying scrolls. We're talking about oil being poured out of a couple olive trees. We're talking about uh, plumb lines and measurement lines. We're talking about red horses. And we're talking about a woman in a basket. Stay with us tonight as we talk about the book of Zechariah. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Bible study on behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Paul J. Higgins, and all of us here at the Master's House. We welcome you. Glad you're tuning in as we are narrowing down, wrapping up our Minor Prophet series. We're getting close. The second one to the end here. And uh, But before we get too far along here in Zechariah, let's go before the Lord in prayer, asking God to have his will on his way. And it's so great to have the wonderful Megan here with us, here to talk about uh, Zechariah and share with us all her words. So, uh, Megan, if you would, take us now before the Lord in prayer. And if you have a prayer request, I forgot to say, if you have prayer requests, click the link below and those will go, uh, those prayer messages will go right over to our senior pastor and all our assistant pastors. And we'll bind together, believe with you, knowing that God can intervene and God will because God is faithful and God hears the cries and the prayers of his people. So now, Megan, if you would, would you take us now before the Lord in prayer? Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for letting us gather today and tune into this Bible study. Lord, I pray that you let this study be a blessing to those that all that hear, touch our pastor and all those tuning in and help us have a great and wonderful rest of our week. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's get right into Zechariah, minor prophet, and he's got a lot of things going on in this book, as I mentioned there in the intro, um, and what we'll talk about here in just a second. But first, uh, let's talk about the, this author, Zechariah here, uh, you know, Zechariah returned to Judah uh, with the former exiles and was uh, apparently a priest. Uh, he was a, and a prophet. He was a contemporary to, of Haggai. So you're going to hear a lot of similar stuff as the uh, Bible study last week, as the Ladies of Grace talked about Haggai. And so though nothing is known of the cooperation between the two prophets, they had very, again, they had very similar missions. They were all credited with the successful reconstruction of the temple, right? That's, that's what they were prophesying about. And uh, Zechariah gave dates for his two periods um, of his uh, prophetic ministry. We got 520 B.C. and we have 518 B.C. So let's read the very first verse real quick. Uh, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Barakai, Barekiah, and the son of Edu, the prophet, saying. So if we pull up our timeline here, you can see where Zechariah kind of fits in with all the other um, prophets and where he's, we're, we're trying to rebuild the temple at this time. The, the Israelites have come back uh, from exile. They're trying to rebuild the temple. And if you notice here, um, we have some of the high priest and the kings at that time. They're all mentioned here in, in Zechariah. Joshua as the high priest, and we got Zerubbabel uh, there, and these guys are building, uh, trying to rebuild the temple and rebuild the, um, the spiritual foundation of, of the Israelites. Yeah, this, with this background, the, the key moment in history is when the Israelites came after um, the king, king Cyrus of Persia granted them granted the captives to be able to come back to Palestine around mm -hmm. 538 BC is where we're kind of talking here. Um, but based on the account in the book of Ezra, work began on this new temple immediately. 
But after the altar was rebuilt and the foundation stones were laid, there were problems that arose, yep. as, as there always is, <laughs> and, and the work stopped. And you can read that story in Ezra 3.1 through um, 4.24. But even though sacrifices were still offered on that altar, the temple continued to lie in ruins for almost about two more decades. Yeah, so, so this, uh, to set the stage... Let's get right into some of the chapters here, chapter by chapter. Uh, the first part of chapter one is basically a call to not be like your fathers. Mm. Hey, let's, let's get a reminder out there. You know what happened to all your fathers, right? They eventually ended up in exile for 70 years. So chapter one is all about uh, uh, reminding the Israelites uh, to, to follow God. Hey, let's, let's get a reminder out there. So let's read uh, chapter one there. Yeah. Zechariah 1, 2 through 4. The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Yeah, so I love that verse, turn ye unto me and I will turn unto you. So there's a condition here, which is usually the case in most promises of God, that he's calling me to come to him and he, hey, and he will be right there uh, with me. So again, chapter one, a little bit, uh, or at least the first part of chapter one, a, a reminder to not be like the fathers uh, or their fathers. So after the second half of chapter one and then chapter two, three, four, five, six, we get into what's known as Zachariah's eight night visions. And they are, they're bizarre. So in one night, Zachariah, he goes to bed. Uh, it's at night, so I'm assuming he's in bed and he has these visions um, or dreams maybe, if you want to call them dreams, but uh, let's, they are, there are visions of what, um, uh, of what the Lord shows them is different symbols and object lessons to exhort the people to rebuild the temple. Yeah, the first three of these visions kind of portray the complementary aspects of Jerusalem's restoration. Mm -hmm. So that very first vision happens in chapter 1, 8 through 17. And this is just four angels returning from patrolling the earth to report back to the angel. Yeah. Um, and again, we're not going to read all these because <laughs> we could be here... Uh, all day, uh, reading all these uh, different uh, visions. But we will read a couple. We'll kind of yeah. cherry pick them. So the second vision uh, builds on the first by depicting those four, four craftsmen who destroy four horns. And since these horns, they symbolize the nations that scattered uh, Israel and Judah. Uh, the destruction of these horns represents that God's promise to repay the nations for what they have done to the, to the Israelites. And then continuing on vision three in verse uh, chapter two, envisions a prosperous Jerusalem uh, without walls since God's glory will be its protection. So here I'm going to read a couple scriptures, Zechariah 2, 1 through 2. Then I raised my eyes and looked and behold a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me to measure Jerusalem to see what it is what it's width and what it is length. Like, of course, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> and then Zechariah, continuing on in verse four through five, who said to him, 
Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls, because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Yeah, and I think this is just, I mean, we're going to keep reading these visions. and uh, But it's crazy. One night you're getting all these visions, and Zechariah, I'm assuming if, if I could be like him for a second, you wake up and you got to start writing all this down. <laughs> Because they're vivid, they're, they're symbolic of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just interesting to actually try and be there in the moment, think that you were there and trying to remember all these dreams. I usually just have one thing that I constantly think about all night, <laughs> not, not eight or nine <laughs> separate things. Right, right, <laughs> not all these things. And there's some in here, which we're about to read, that are the Lord telling Zachariah to go tell somebody this. So mm-hmm. he's, he's got to write this down. And obviously the Lord, the Spirit was upon him and to remember all these things. Yeah. So the fourth and the fifth visions raise the issue of leadership among the exiles. So um, the fourth vision found there in chapter three uh, says it records the, the accusation, the vindication, and the recommissioning of Joshua. Remember, Joshua's the high priest here at this time. Um, the high priest, the spiritual leader of the people. So after removing the sin pointed out by Joshua's accuser, which is Satan, which we're going to read that, we're going to read this dream here in a second or this vision, the angel exhorts Joshua to holiness and, and promises that Joshua's successor will bring ultimate cleansing of the sins of the land. This successor will be a priest who is also a king since he is identified as the branch, quote unquote. So Zechariah 3, 1 through 5, then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to, to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It is not a branch. Is this not a branch plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to him, spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away those filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you. And I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, let him put a clean turban on on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head. And they put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Basically talking about removing the sin out of Joshua. So Joshua can do his work uh, there as rebuilding the temple. Yep. And then continuing, Vision 5 introduces Zerubbabel, which is the political leader of the mm-hmm. Jews. Um, in this vision, there's a golden lampstand, which symbolizes the people, and it's guarded by the two olive trees, symbolizing Joshua and Zerubbabel. Mm-hmm. And Zerubbabel, and say that 10 times fast, <laughs> will serve as God's instrument to finish rebuilding the temple. In Zechariah 4, 6, uh, it says, Then he answered and spoke, spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Yeah, I mean, that right there is probably one of the key scriptures found in Zechariah. Mm-hmm. And, and basically what the, what the angel is, uh, said to uh, Zechariah is, You need to go tell Zerubbabel this. And again, that it's not by your might, it's not by man's might, it's not by man's power. Mm-hmm. That, that this wall is going to be uh, accomplished or going to be rebuilt or the temple is going to be rebuilt. No, but it's by the authority and the power of God's spirit. Mm-hmm. So thus, while Zerubbabel would be an instrumental in accomplishing God's purposes, it could only happen 
through the supply of God's spirit. Yeah. And then the sixth through the eighth visions, this next set of visions are these moving objects that kind of convey these, this message that God's trying to give to him. Um, that sixth vision is describes an enormous flying scroll upon which is written God's judgment against those who still or swear falsely. Yeah. Uh, the seventh vision uh, found here in chapter five, it depicts a, a grain basket with a woman inside. The woman personifies wickedness, and the basket's removal to Babylon signifies the removal of sin from Israel. Mm-hmm. And then that eighth vision in the sixth chapter retraces the movements of the patrolling angels that was from the first vision, those four angels. But mm-hmm. unlike the first vision, the angels now report that God's wrath against the pagan nations has been satisfied. Yeah, and then we actually get a, another vision here, the ninth vision, the final night in the vision. Uh, it's the crowning of, uh, of Joshua as the priestly king. Joshua is again is identified as the branch, but he is clearly distinct from the Messiah whom he foreshadows, right? So um, Joshua's crown is removed from his head and placed in the temple as a symbol of a coming messianic age. We'll read a little bit here in Zechariah 6.12. It says, Then speak to him, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man, which name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear uh, the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on, this, on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them full. So that's that wraps up all these visions. Some, they're hard to follow. Some, they're better to read. If you, got, you have time to read them all, I suggest you do it. And you can find the corresponding scriptures and kind of what they mean, all these different symbols and, and what they mean. Yeah. And then chapters 7 through 8 kind of go on into interlude on the spiritual renewal. And um, it's prophesied two years after that very first chapter that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit in Zechariah 7, 1 through 7. Now in the fourth year of King Darius, it came to pass that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, Kislev, when the people sent Sherezer with Regum Melech and his men to the house of God to pray before the Lord and to ask the priests who were in the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets saying, should I weep in the fifth month and fast as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, say to all the people of the land and to the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? Like for me? God knows the heart in the intent of the hearts, and he saw right through their rituals of this yeah. fifth month. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when you, and continuing in verse 6, when you eat and when you drink, you do not eat and drink for yourselves. Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous, and the south and the lowland were inhabited? So it's better to obey than to offer sacrifices, but this is what their forefathers did. And, you know, look at what got them for doing yeah. it. Yeah. So, again, Zechariah is just trying to reiterate, hey, we got to rebuild the found- spiritual foundation. Mm-hmm. And don't do like our forefathers did. Uh, we got to turn to the Lord right now with genuine, like fast for real, where you're really fasting for me or were you just following habit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that's, yeah. And then we continue on one more verse here in verse, uh, chapter eight, verse eight. It says, I will bring to them and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. So the Lord has a plan to redeem Israel, to bring them back into good relationship with them. But again, it's, will you turn unto me and I will turn unto you? Just mm -hmm. like we read in that very first chapter. Then we get into chapters 9 through 11. And some would say that chapters 9 through 11 are maybe even written by a different person. But, um, but I, I would believe they're written by Zechariah because they are, they're kind of distinct and a whole separate subject, if you will. Mm -hmm. So these next chapters are Zechariah's prophesying of the coming Messiah. Yeah, and that first coming of the Messiah is in his lowliness or the Messiah's lowliness. In Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt the foal of an ass. And we see this is fulfilled in the New yeah. Testament later on in John 12, 15. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. Just straight, almost word for word. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, think about it. Zechariah's prophesying, what was the timeline? 500 or so, 530, 540 BC. He's prophesying mm -hmm. during all this time. Something that's take place, let's say, 600 years later. Mm -hmm. um, I, I always just find that amazing. I just find that amazing that they, they pin these things down. They just trust that it's the word from the Lord and look, prophecy is fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So the second uh, mention of the Messiah coming is found in uh, Zechariah 9.10 and it's about the Prince of Peace. Uh, Zechariah 9.10, it says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace unto the heathen and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and from the rivers even to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is the is him being crucified, the Messiah being crucified mm -hmm. in Zechariah 12:10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So when Judah and Jerusalem are delivered from the attacks of the nations, all the people of God will mourn for the one whom they have pierced. Mm -hmm. uh, another example here, prophesying of the coming Messiah, um, is the shepherd forsaken by his sheep, right? Uh, Zechariah 13, 7, it says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my, my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And then we get down into chapter 14 now. Um, kind of skipped a couple there, but this is where Zechariah prophesies about the coming day of the Lord or the mm -hmm. millennium reign and a description of what Jerusalem will be like during that, the millennium. So in Zechariah 14, 1 through 2, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Yeah, and then uh, down, skipping on down to verse uh, 7. Uh, it shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, 
but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And that corresponds, Revelation 22, 5, it says, There shall be no light there, and there shall be no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light and shall reign forever and ever. So here in Zechariah, I mean, we got, we just got a lot going on right here. We got a lot of prophecies, a lot of visions, but really the goal, the goal of what Zechariah is trying to do, very similar to what Haggai was doing, was to encourage the people to rebuild the, the spiritual foundation and to encourage them to rebuild that temple. As, as you saw there in the timeline, the, the temple was stopped. Mm-hmm. They, they, they didn't go on any further until Tell Zechariah and Haggai and a couple of these other prophets, they came together and had a prophecy, hey, we need to get this temple rebuilt. And um, that key verse, I'm going to read that key verse that, that Megan uh, read uh, in, in verse 6 of chapter 4. It says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Again, this is a really powerful scripture for our day and time as well. Because we've got to remember uh, the scripture there in the New Testament, God cho- is chosen. He purposely chooses the weak things of the world, the things that are not mighty, right? And to confound the things that are mighty. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about this, if God is choosing his vessels, his, 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 those in, in, his, in the body, are weak things, are, are, are feeble things, if you will, then how is anything going to get done? How does anything get accomplished, right? You got, if you want to rebuild the temple, if you want to get a work accomplished, guess what? You go hire a guy that knows how to just get it done, a guy that's mighty, a guy that's super strong, a guy that's wise. But no, God has chosen weak. God has chosen things um, that are foolish to confound the things that are wise. And again, it goes back to this very scripture that it's not, it's not by man's might that these things, these works, whatever you need to get done in your life, it's not by your own power that you can accomplish this. That the work, whatever it may be, small, great, whatever's going on in your life, the, the task at hand is too great for us to handle it by ourselves. We don't have enough might. We don't have enough power. It's mm-hmm. only... And if I could realize this today, it's only by the Spirit of God that I am able to accomplish whatever needs to be accomplished. Whether that's in like my day-to-day work life or that's doing the work of the Lord. I have to have God's Spirit with me, inside of me. And it's nice to have a reminder from somebody like Zechariah that the Lord told Zechariah, you go tell Zerubbabel this. Zerubbabel... Obviously, what it's kind of sounded like here, if we can in, uh, infer here, that he was struggling. He was struggling like, I can't get this done. I can't get this temple rebuilt. I can't accomplish this. You know, no one's following me. I, I, you know, whatever the, the case is, what discouraged him. The Lord saw fit to, hey, I want to build you up and to remind you that, hey, it's not going to be by your own hand. It's going to be my spirit. You trust in my spirit. And that's really what that I want to remind each and every one of us today. That no matter what the task is at hand, you trust in that spirit of God, right? It's the power, right? When the spirit of the Lord comes upon you, as written in Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power. And what, what is that power? It's the power to overcome 
the desires of, of this flesh, right? The desires of this flesh is maybe to do what we all want to do. Mm-hmm. But if we want to have like power, and not, not power to fly, not power to <laughs> shoot webs out of our things or, <laughs> or out of our hands or not those kind of powers. I'm talking powers to mortify the deeds of this flesh. I got to have the spirit of God, right? It helps us to be holy in a world that is wicked. How, how are we supposed to live a holy life? Well, you got to get the Holy Ghost in our lives, in our vessel. That way we can live holy in a wicked world. It helps us to recognize the truth, right? With, with a world, as you guys know, I mean, it's full of lies and deceit. You turn on the TV, on the news, you have no idea if there's hidden agendas behind what anybody's saying, right? <laughs> Everything's a lie or, 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 or we're all skeptical. But in order to weed out all the lies and to know the truth, I need the Spirit of God. That's the power of the Spirit of God. And it helps me to follow that still small voice. It helps me to follow that shepherd's voice, having the shepherd, having Jesus inside of me. And it helps me just as Peter and John, they went up to Gate Beautiful and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. What did they have? They had the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And such as I have, I give I thee, and that lame man there at Gate Beautiful, he walked. How's all that done? How's all that accomplished? None of us can think that well. None of us can put something together that well. It's only done by the Spirit of God. And that is the reminder here in Zechariah. The temple can be rebuilt. Zerubbabel, you can do it. Grab a hold of that Spirit of God, and it will pour upon you, and you can accomplish what God has asked you to do. And God, whatever God has asked us to do, we can accomplish it through the Spirit of God. So thank you, uh, Megan, for sharing everything you had to share. And I, we hope that something has been said today has been a blessing to you. You hope you found some encouragement through all these Minor Prophet uh, books. We got one more coming up next week, and then we'll start into a new series. But again, if you have those prayer requests, we ask that you please email those at prayermastershouse.org, or, or you can click the link below in the description, and we'll definitely... Call upon the name of the Lord, asking God to come in and minister unto you and to this situation. So let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, O oh God, we're so thankful, Lord, to, to gather, O oh Lord, online and, and in, in this house, O oh Lord, to open up your word and to hear these words, O oh God, and to be reminded, dear Lord, that, O oh God, if we would but surrender, O oh Lord, in our house, O oh God, or uh, on Sundays, O oh Lord, or wherever, O oh God, It may be that we would surrender right now and call upon your name and ask you, O God, to come into our hearts, into our minds, O God, into our lives, O Lord, and fill us, O Lord, from head to toe with your spirit that we could walk boldly, O God, in this world, O Lord, and do and accomplish everything that that you have said and you have asked, O Lord. We ask, O Lord, that you be with all the needs, O Lord, that that have been represented, O God, that all the prayer requests that have come in, that you minister unto them, that you lift each and every individual's lives, O oh God, and you make a way, O oh Lord, where there seemeth to be no way. We ask, O oh Lord, a touch for our shepherd. Bless him, O oh God. Bless his family, O oh Lord. Let your words rest down upon him. And we ask, O oh God, that you keep us as we leave this place in thy wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Good night, and God bless. 